Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barn Able, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers to thrive on camera and in life and to make an impact on the world. This episode is brought to you by the phrase, monetize your mastery. Mastery is simply comprehensive knowledge or skill in a subject, and to monetize is to earn revenue from it. Sounds simple, but if it were really that easy, we'd all be doing it already, and I'd be in my villa in Tangier right now. So I'm thrilled joining me today to discuss is Nicole Sellers, whom I adore, who is a seasoned media trainer, entrepreneur, producer, journalist, television host, and actress who has built a thriving business on monetizing her mastery, including her very essential TV hosting academy. Welcome, Nicole. It is so fun to have you here. Thank you, Barbara, for having me. I love your podcast. I listen to it all the time. So this is this is awesome to be here. Thank you. Well, thank you. So I want to ask you to begin with, when did you realize like you have something monetizable and, and how you identified what your mastery was? Well, 2020 is when everything changed for me because I actually hired a business coach. I kept thinking during the pandemic, I have to get my act together because I was unemployed. I lost my health insurance. I was about to lose my house. I had all these horrible things happening to me. And I thought I need to make something work from home. I was also homeschooling my children at the time because it was during lockdown. And I was terrified as to what was about to come down the pike for me. I didn't know if I was going to get any more on-camera jobs. I didn't know if people were hiring, people were getting laid off left and right. So I invested in a business coach. She was really a course creation coach at the time. And I knew I wanted to take my my knowledge and my skills and really monetize that through online coaching and courses. So I had to learn that. And it was a very extensive process. It wasn't just kind of like throwing a course together and throwing up some videos and tutorials. There was a very strategic process behind it. And I needed to invest in someone who knew the process, who knew how to monetize it. And she taught me a lot about building my own business around my skill sets. And that is something that I try to translate to clients of mine who don't just want to be a host for hire. They want to build their brand empires. They want to uncover their special sauce, as as you've said in the past, and monetize that in a way that's sustainable. Because we we all know that this business is, is unstable. We don't know if we're going to be working from one week to the next. So this is a way for experts in any area to really be sustainable and have that career ongoing and having the hosting piece. And I, just because I work with a lot of hosts, that's their passion and that's fun for them. And I don't want to use the word hobby, but to have that mindset shift of, I don't need this to survive. I want to do this for fun. And because I love it, it makes a total difference in your, in your personality. Gosh, that was incredible. I had no idea what the backstory was. I just always known like TV hosting Academy amazing. What a resource. What tremendous value. Thank you. Gosh. So TV hosting Academy really launched in 2012, but something totally different. Mm -hmm. And I, I bring this up too, is the refinement process, which is also your word of the year. And I loved that podcast episode of you talking about refinement. 
I refined it over the over time because I had to keep up with current market trends. So back in 2012, it was really producing demo reels for TV hosts because I came from that MTV promos production background. I love visuals. I loved editing. I love producing. And I said, well, how do I kind of combine all these skill sets and do something that I really love? So I went to like the streets of New York City and I, I just started working with a, a videographer and producing these demo reels for a lot of hosts and comedians and actors, people who wanted to really break into the hosting space, but they didn't really know how to do it. And we were making them so different than anything that they have ever seen before. We were really pulling out the most fun and engaging pieces of them and their personality. You know, we'd script some things, but it was like that off camera kind of camaraderie that was the best, you know, and like we would really capture those moments. So over time, it went from production to coaching. Then I got my certification in, in professional coaching, which is, in, I believe it was 2017, I got that. And it was because I really wanted to coach hosts and experts not only on camera, because that was such a tiny piece of what I wanted to do. It was really to build a brand and a business around your personality and all of your skill sets. So the on-camera coaching piece is fun for me, but it's certainly not the only thing that I love to do. And I don't, and it's funny now I look at my whole business and I'm like, that is probably such a small part of what I do now because I outsource a lot of that now because I have so many incredible experts that come in and have their own style and their own way of on-camera performance that I love all of them because there's not one way to be a host. There's not one style that you need to follow. So that's just what makes us a little bit different is that we have so many different experts in so many different areas come in and showcase their talents, which is really inspiring for up and comers. I feel like we were separated at birth. <laughs> this is amazing. And is it, I feel like this is like, um, like sort of a greatest hits of my entire podcast series, which is, you know, in, in one little bite there, because what you talked about was one was you stopping and pausing and asking yourself, what is my expertise? What value do I bring? So, so what can be monetized? What value is there and who's willing to pay for it? And how, you know, where do these things come together and how do I build that out? And then you asked yourself, what are my points of differentiation? And you really tapped into that and went and went really so big. And then we we talked about this a little before I hit record is like showing up consistently. But I'm really fascinated too by the adaptability and also your commitment to constant growth on your end. I did the same thing with when I became a you know certified professional coach because the ability to go deeper. You really quickly discover when you're doing on-camera coaching or a media trainer that everybody has almost the same vulnerabilities. Everyone's story is different, but and it was the desire to really be able to serve people and work through those blocks and limitations and help people get to the other side that I was like, this is where now it really gets into coaching. And I think it, when you love coaching, that's the part that feeds your soul. Like I'm with right. you. It's, it's like, and the, um, and the strategizing, the strategizing, but also giving them a space to talk. And to yeah. listen, because I think a lot of times when I work with clients, they don't realize how talented they are. They don't realize that there are that. so many marketable skills that they have that they don't even mention. They don't even bring it up in a, in a media kit or a bio or a resume or even a job interview. So I always listen, but also give some really good prompts that kind of spark that thinking 
Cause it's like journaling, right? I mean, it's like, I don't know how many people journal, but I journal in the morning and I have prompts all the time. Yes. And it's like, well, yeah, you ask yourself these, these questions that kind of get you to that, that next level. And I think for me, I'm always striving to be better at whatever I'm doing. And I'm going to have to adapt a million times over. I mean, everything has grown for me since 2012. Now looking back, it's like the past two years have been pivotal for me because I know now that the online space is where I need to be because I'm reaching so many people. So it's, it's learning new platforms. It's understanding different mediums. It's understanding how to boost your visibility through effective multimedia strategies. So that's really how you sustain that career. Or what are some of the questions or advice I guess you'd give to anybody who's listening who's like, huh, um, I want to monetize or I'm like really inspired by what Nicole's saying, but what are the right questions or what are they should be looking out for to even kind of get started with this? Well, I always say, start with what you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. What do you have experience in? What are you passionate about? And we always talk about like what lights you up from the inside. So I learned this the hard way because I was trying to serve a totally different audience than I'm serving now. I was going more corporate and it was kind of like, I was dying a little bit on the inside because I didn't have that creative energy that I was used to with other artists. So I kept, it was like this, this constant pull of who am I serving? Who, you know, who wants to hear my message? What value can I share for these people? And with your skill sets, there's so many people that you can serve, but it's when you really narrow it down and niche down as much as you can into a certain audience, that's where you thrive. Mm -hmm. So I was at this standstill for the longest time because I was trying to serve corporate. I was trying to serve female entrepreneurs. I was trying to serve hosts and actors. And I was all over the place. And I said my word of the year, thanks to you, was going to be simplify because I was trying to serve too many people. And it, and it's almost like that, you know, that stretch or you're not really serving anyone if you're trying to reach everyone. So when I niched down and I, I realized what my skill sets were, what my passions were, then I really niched down to my ideal audience. So I would say, number one, find out what you're passionate about. What are you constantly reading about or learning about or interested in, in learning more? Um, and then really think about who your ideal audience is or your clients or your target demographic. Who can you serve? What type of value can you share for them? So I always say those are like the top two things. And then the third is how do we monetize that? Is it going to be through coaching? Is it going to be through courses? Is it going to be through podcasting with ad sponsors and and that and subscriptions or memberships? So there's there's so many different ways that you can monetize it, but it has to fit with the audience that you're serving. I want to sit with that for a sec because I'm sure this happens to you. It happens to me almost daily is the resistance around the niching down. And to understand that exactly what you said. So if we could spend a little more time on that, that when you're trying to serve everyone, you serve no one. What I'm really getting at is how to let go of the fear. It's such a fear-based conversation we have with ourselves. But, 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 aren't I missing out? No. Right. Be the best in your space and understand who you're valuing. And you know, what I noticed is the second I started to do that, and I really niched down into the, the creative space and working with other creatives, they were experts in so many different areas, but my energy was different. My Mm. energy was different and I was serving them so much better. And that was the shift for me. 
that was the validation that I needed to really solidify that these are the people that I should be serving. So they have different attributes. I always say like, do a brain dump of, of the attributes of your ideal client or ideal Oh, that's audience. one of my favorite exercises. Mm, I, I love do that. that all the time. And, and I came up with all of these words and, and it just, just came out. It was like creative, motivated, dedicated, energetic, passionate, spiritual. I mean, all of these things, because I noticed the clients that I had that didn't have a lot of those attributes would drain me mentally, physically, I was drained, but the clients that had all of those attributes that I was looking for that was the common thread of all of my clients that have succeeded because I gave them all of my energy. Oh, I love that. Cause then you're in flow and you're deeply connected to purpose and tapping into your calling and your superpowers. I want to talk for a sec now too, for, because again, for anyone listening, it's like, how do you understand when you, your expertise is actually expertise and not general knowledge? I don't even think there's, you know, a hard and fast rule on this, but it certainly comes up and I can talk about it from the casting side, right? Right, And what, it, you know, to be an expert on National Geographic where expertise mm -hmm. really matters is very different than being a, an expert doing a segment on uh, a morning news show. Right. And I think a lot of people get caught up in how many degrees do I have to have? How many certifications do I have to have? How many years of experience do I have to have? I always recommend that you need to be consistently practicing consistently training, consistently educating yourself, maybe taking a class or doing something consistently where you are learning something new every day and growing in your craft. So when I get that, that resistance, like you said, of I'm not an expert in this, well, how many years have you been doing it? 10. Well, you're an expert in it. You know, I, I want them to have that confidence in themselves that they have been doing this for a long time. Everyone has imposter syndrome because they always think that someone is better at what they are about to do. And newsflash, there's always going to be somebody better at what you're about to do. You can't compare your chapter one to someone's chapter 10. So the growth process is ever evolving. Okay. That was so beautifully said. And two things I want to mention. One, I love that you noted the idea that this is a craft. Acting is a craft, hosting is a craft, communication is a craft that constantly needs to be worked on. And that is such an important part of this to remind people that, because I'm sure you have the same thing. The most successful people I work with who really are, they're constantly working at it. Mm -hmm. I use this example all the time. It's, you know, um, you know, Serena Williams would have never said, I'm the goat, I'm sleeping in. I mean, you just, you're constantly honing, refining, working on it. The other thing that's really important to me, you said, you know, you have 10 years of experience. There was a quote I saw years ago, because we get into the idea of, you know, mastery and the 10,000 hours. And 10,000 hours is, is several years. Um, but, and so this person positioned going, you know what, look at it, 2,500 hours. You're not at the whatever, 10,000 Mark, but you know what? You're way ahead of almost everybody else anyway. And so we use that. And so depending on what your trajectory is, you know, that's 18 months, 36 months. That's a very realistic thing. I mean, if you're starting at zero and saying, hey, I want to become you know, qualified in something, mm -hmm. you're along the way. And so now you have some benchmarks. Right. And I think too, having the credibility behind you and almost the checklist, if you're a checklist person, yeah. I always say, do a brain dump of all of your experiences, your certifications, your honors, your accolades, do that brain dump. Because when you see it on paper, 
you will be blown away at how experienced you actually are in this certain subject. It works I love to have what a lovely place you're coming from. Going back to what you said about consistency, especially in the hosting space, if you show consistently, if you launch something, whether that's a blog, and I know that sounds very old school, I'm dating myself, but um, a series of TikToks, you know, showing up on IG Live or positioning yourself, if you show up every day, every week for a legitimate amount of time, six months, a year, to, now you have developed an expertise and in what I consider the very, very valuable super fan space. Mm -hmm. Like you might not be the definitive, but that becomes monetizable. Yes. Yeah. And really I love valuable. what you said about researching the, the job description and pulling out those keywords. I, I do that trick all the time. I'll look at certain jobs that I want. I'll look at what the qualifications are. And if I don't have those, you bet I'm going to learn them quickly. Right. So yeah, I think that once you see what you have, what you see, once you see what you want to go work toward, look at those skill sets and see how to build up on those. Absolutely. Another thing too, I would say is sometimes also look at case studies of, of people who are further along and, but I mean, and go deep and like mm -hmm. how, how long did their career really take to get where they are? I love doing uh, that too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And here's a great one that I love that came up in a coaching call recently is to look at Michael Strahan, who's amazing. Right. Mm -hmm. But you go deep and you realize, you know, from football to GMA and where he is now. And, uh, and by the way, he had like amazing people working and supporting him, but I mean, he made a foray into acting. He hosted a show on the DIY network. I mean, these are like, you know, really deep. I did not know that about oh, him. Wow. Oh my God. And so what I want to say is more power because I mean, he put in the work, he yeah. really put in the work and he got really, really, really good. And it's also, he's probably like really great at relationships and all those things, but I mean, he put in the work and he trained. Right. And it's funny online, you only see highlights of what everybody's doing, but you That's don't realize the hard work that goes into it. So online courses for me, I've been studying online course creation for two years now, two years, and I've been training and I've been studying and I've been investing in more courses on course creation. Mm -hmm. So I can become a master at it. I want to be known as, you know, the, the authority in my space. For, for online coaching and courses. So for me, and, and, and it's funny looking at the trends, are courses going away now? Is it going to be something different? So it's like, once you get really good at some, at something, it may change and you may have to pivot and, and adjust and that's okay. But again, it's, you have to be able to do that. You have to be able to shift gears and serve people the way that they need to be served. So beautifully said. And this, and now I think there's this constant tension for us who are in the space between the pivot, which is really important and the ability to adapt and work through the fear. Cause by the way, on any given day, when an announcement comes through, um, I mean, even with like chat GPT, it's like, oh my God, like are we, we're all going to get replaced. And that, that's, a, you know, we can laugh, but we might internalize that and be like, Ooh, so there's the tension between adaptability and then also with ob objective criteria being like, what do I do? And what, what can I stay true to in the sense it's like, you know, but there's still value if I'm the last person offering this thing that I feel like is always going to have value. And this may be a random example, but it's like, there's still a market, a growing market for vinyl records, right? Yes. It's never going to be where streaming is. But so it, if you're doing, delivering that really well, there's always going to be a market for high end, um, stereo equipment. There's always going to be a market for art books. There's always going to be a market for even letterpress. Like there will always be people mm -hmm. who want to pay more to write beautiful notes. 
right. even though the majority of us are emailing. So it's like, how do you figure out who, you know, where you fit in that? Um, but now I want to actually, as we shift and pivot our conversation, was around the marketing of this. Because it's even when you talk about a podcast, right, in monetizing a podcast, you know, something I've learned along the way was right, like you have to get to certain benchmarks to be mon truly monetizable. But the other thing is a podcast is marketing. Yes. And it, and so you can also look at things that you do where, so it's not a linear direct thing like this, th this one thing that I do pays for itself, but through marketing, it brings business. Correct. You're, you're cross-promoting. You are using other people's platforms to promote yourself. And that's genius. Circling back to the idea of marketing ourselves and learning to tell our story, which is really important. And we can delineate that because part of it is you start with this idea that you have to be able to have a killer bio and how yes. to do that. So we can talk broadly and specifically, but I really want to share your killer bio. Well, my killer bio <laughs> all started from coaching. So I started to really look back at the common thread of all of my clients. And I said, what are we doing during our strategy sessions that has a common theme? And it was always the bio. Everyone was struggling with the bio. Oh, Nicole, I don't want to write my bio. I don't know what to say. I don't know what's relevant. I don't know how long it needs to be. What should I say? How should I say it? Point of view, first person, third person. It was like a million questions around a bio. And if you look at how important a bio is for selling yourself, it is one of the most important things because number one, it's going to be on your website, your media kit. It's going to, you know, it's going to be everywhere. It's going to be in an email if you're submitting to a talent agent or a manager, you're going to have just, to have some just sort to jump of in. It's, mm -hmm. it, it may only be a few words, but it's actually in all your social media because it's yes. the top. Right. And so it, it may only be a 12 word bio, but your bio is how you introduce yourself to the world. I, and so I just think what you're providing is phenomenal. Absolutely. And the formula that I came up with was a little mix of credibility, personal story, passion and interests, and then your personality. So you're, you're mixing up all of those elements and you're creating a bio that is a really strong reflection of you, your story and your personality. I, okay. I love it so much. And I just want for everyone listening that there will be a link to Nicole's actually free downloadable ebook on how to write your killer bio will be in the show notes. Um, and with that, I want to ask, because this is also to validate everybody listening, how many drafts do most people in your experience have to write? Because there's this feeling like I wrote it and it sucks. I'm like, that's your first draft. What are you talking about? Exactly. <laughs> I would say at least three to five times yes. the first go around. But I refine my bio religiously. Me too. Because you have to customize it to what your intention is. So if your intention is to get job A, you have to customize that bio to job A. If you're submitting for something totally different and the bio doesn't really fit, but your skill sets are all the same, you have to revise it. So I always say, don't get stuck on, this is going to be my bio forever. You're going to be refining it all the time, just depending on the jobs that you're going for. So I consistently update my bio totally depending on, on the situation that I'm in. Okay. Amen to that sis. And how much did I love how beautifully you just said that? That was so good. And I also find, maybe it's just me, but for so many people I work with and I'm the same is the first draft always sounds like I'm applying for a bank loan because <laughs> the last thing that shows up is the personality, right? Yes. That personal story though is so important. So important. It. So important. Yes. So that goes back to the notion of giving yourself space and grace mm -hmm. that um, it will take three to five drafts. And if it takes you 10 drafts, that's okay. Your process is your process. And I love your point too, is you have to meet your audience where they are. And so 
um, I think it's like, to your point, it's like, you have the cord, like, this is my bio and I always adapt it. Who am I talking to? This is my, my little one phrase formula is who's the audience? What, first of all, so it's, what's my goal? Who's the audience? What's the platform? How do yes. I speak to this audience via this platform to achieve the goal? Yes. I have so many different versions. So I think really, I want to hit home on that, that point that there's no one perfect bio that you're going to use for everything. There isn't. There is one that's going to go on your website and it may adjust for what your goals are. Like you said, what are your goals? And that's how you have to really kind of format it in a way where you are inserting your personal story and your skill sets. So they are aware that you can do the job, but also a lot of your personality and your personal story. Okay. That was actually another really great point is what you're actually saying is be aware of who's reading your bio because you're not reading your bio. So the thing that you think is so interesting and fabulous is neat to you that nothing to take that away. But it, it, and that goes back to, it's like, are you writing your bio for the industry, for a gatekeeper? Um, is it a B2B situation or are you, you know, writing it for your audience? If you're, you know, an influencer or some kind of expert, and you really have to understand who am I talking to in this moment? And, right. how do they and we're all multi-passionate, Barbara, right? Like we are all multi-passionate. So when we are writing our bio, let's say for speaking engagement, so maybe we're going to be a keynote speaker one day, our bios are going to be totally different for that type of situation, but our skill sets are going to be the same. So if we're all multi-passionate, we have so many skill sets that we can actually brag about. And I always say like the humble brag is a good thing. So don't get thrown off that one thing has to fit this box. It's never going to fit a box. It's always going to be customized to your situation, but it's not always going to fit in one little pretty box with a bow. Never. Okay. Again, beautifully said, but something so important that you just said that about the humble brag, because that goes back to the earlier part of our conversation where, you know, you're pulling out expertise when you're talking to people and it's like, what? you have to put it in there. Like I, I, right. I literally, I won't know that if you just, you know, won a Nobel prize, if you don't tell me, okay, maybe I would have known that, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm not going to know about your awards, your accolades, the thing that went viral or, or, or you're just your awesomeness. If you don't tell me, and that's something to be really proud of. And, you know, Brian Pataka, when he was on the podcast said something I live for now, which is marketing is just sharing your gifts. Absolutely. And it's just such a you know beautiful and sort of generous way to phrase that. But I also want ding, ding, ding for anyone listening. I'm sure they perked up as I did. So um, what is a good bio for you know pitching yourself for speaking? So a third person point of view, I always recommend that, but the bio is going to really reflect your skill sets, right? It's going to really reflect your experience, your credentials, how long you've been doing it. So depending on, I'm not a professional speaker, so full transparency, but if you were a professional speaker and I have seen bios that were very strong, they are a little bit more on, I don't want to say the corporate side, but they're a little bit more professional than something that you would see on someone's website or media kit. That's a little bit more first person point of view, like, hi, I'm Nicole Sellers. This is what I do. This is what I'm about. It's going to be a little bit more corporate or professional. So yeah, I, I think for every situation, it's going to feel different. But again, like there's no, there's no right or wrong way as long as you are being fully transparent with your experience, with your skill sets, with what you have done in the past that is relatable to what you're about to do. I think all of those things need to be mentioned in a very creative way. So it doesn't sound like a resume or a job interview. Oh, I love that. And that actually goes back to what we were talking about a minute ago too, was the notion of conforming to industry standards. 
So if most speaking agencies or people who book speakers are expecting something, um, you know, conform to their expectations. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I hope to be a public speaker one day. I think one day I will be on stage doing that. And again, this is something that's in the future for me that I would love to do. I'd love to write a book. I'd love to start a podcast. It's all these things that I want to be doing. But again, it's, it's my word of the year is simplify. I'm going to start here and then we're going to have a growth strategy. So that's another thing. I've been time blocking a lot, which has made a huge difference with my business because I'll explain now I that further. I love that because going back, just to clarify for anyone who's coming in now that you are right now, this this is so powerful, giving yourself permission not to go chase a trend, not to get distracted by the shiny new objects that constantly are, you know, coming into our purview. You're like, I am focused on being the best. You identified it earlier, the best in my space when it comes to offering coaching via online courses. And I'm going deep, 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 deep. So one, that's an amazing step one. So two, explain time blocking. Time blocking for me started when I was starting to feel really scattered and I didn't feel like I was, I felt like I was diligently working, but nothing was getting accomplished. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to do too many things at the same time. So again, like you said, when you are chasing those trends or chasing the shiny new thing that everybody's doing, you have to hop on it. You're losing focus of what is actually either bringing in money or what your focus should be at the current moment. So focus on the the best, you know, the most profitable thing that you can first. So you're laying that foundation to grow your business. So time blocking for me in the morning, I wake up at six, an hour before my kids, and I make sure that I have a cup of coffee, I journal, and then I brain dump all of the things that I need to do that day or that week. So I can start to check off that list because the second I start to see my checklist getting checked off is where I start to feel like I am making progress within that day or that, or that week. So I'll, I'll time block my mornings because I'm more creative in the morning. And then I'm going to start to schedule out coaching time, education time. So I also schedule out time for training and education. And then I also schedule playtime with my kids. I schedule weekends with my husband. I schedule everything because I need to make sure that I have a fully balanced life and that I'm happy because if I am not happy and I am not balanced in, you know, mind, body, and spirit, I cannot be of service. I cannot give all of that energy to my clients that they deserve. I'm just mailing it in. And that's not the type of coach I am. I am someone who brings energy and passion because I want you to feel that. And I want you to bring that out to your audiences. So I have to show by example. So I think time blocking for me is essential to the progress that I made in 2022. I had a 93% profit margin in 2022, which is extraordinary for me because I thought this isn't going to work. Everyone's doing online courses. What? Who am I to do something like this? But because I saw the need, I built upon that need. I focused on being the best course creator in my niche. And I built upon that. And then from there, of course, that spreads out into one-on-one coaching. Then it was hybrid coaching. Then it was a hybrid coaching model. Then it was small group coaching. Then it was a membership, right? So these are all ways to monetize the same exact skill sets. So that was how time blocking really made such a huge impact on my 2022. Okay. That's phenomenal. 
I think I'm going to leave it there because I have a million and one questions, which means you're just going to have to come back, Nicole, because <laughs> this was, no, this was so great. But this is like, now I feel like it's all the information that we can absorb in this one session of our masterclass with Nicole Sellers. That really was incredible. Is there anything that you want to mention that we forgot? Well, they can go get the free download at tvhostingacademy.com. That's a free download for Craft Your Killer Bio. I'm also offering all of your listeners 50% off my business bootcamp for hosts. So if they go to tvhostingacademy.com, they type in BBA50, they're getting 50% off of that. Oh my God, that's phenomenal. You are the best. Oh, this just made my day. And um, touching on another word you said earlier, I just feel so energized from spending this time with you. Thank you. You you as well. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I want to thank you for listening to Camera Ready and Able. If you're interested in media coaching for you or your team, please shoot me a note and please be sure to visit ableintermedia.com and download my free ebook, 12 Tips for Success on Camera. And as always, please be sure to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already.